And uh, it's kind of getting warm. Again, it seems like we've kind of come into summer, kind of blowing through spring and not really getting as much of those cool but nice days. A little bit. We'll see if uh, June chills out a little bit or if it uh, will start to cook. But we're glad you're here. number of things going on this week, so I want to bring your attention to them and things for you to think about, things for you to chew on. First of all, as Connor mentioned, the Food Truck Fridays. Let me just tweak this here and get it comfortable on my ear. Um, Food Truck Friday coming up this Friday. Really looking forward to this as we get a chance to build some relationships and create connection in our community. And this is really important to what we're seeking to do as a, as a church. Why? Because we're seeking to build bridges of relationship. We're seeking to do things that enable us to have the opportunity to have conversations with our community. And so we want to earn that space, earn those opportunities. So continue to be praying for that. Ask you to be engaged. Ask you to come out, be a part of our time. Come, come get something to eat. Visit, hang out. And if there's something you can do to be helpful, we're going to be setting out tables. We're going to be doing some work this Wednesday, finishing off the picnic tables that we have. But uh, putting tables away, setting tables out, putting cornhole out, and just kind of being present would be huge. So if you can be a part of that, really would ask you to do that. And again, as I talked about the communication spot, out the back doors and to your left. And as you do that, you're going to see a little section of shelves and that kind of stuff in a spot right there on your right as you kind of go down the hallway you can sign up there also probably over on the far side where the old classroom used to the office used to be for ACA some information there as well so but just keep that in mind another big thing going on this week it's my understanding that tomorrow uh, Governor Murphy is going to make an announcement about masks Yes, whoop, hopefully that will be good. So my understanding is that next month, or tomorrow, he's going to make an announcement that for, if you have received your COVID vaccine, I think it's going to initiate probably for this coming weekend or Sunday, but the announcement's going to be if you have been immunized, you can now be mask-free both inside and outside. So as we look at that, We're going to be going to that point where we're going to be mask-free inside if you have been immunized. Now, here's how I'm going to function. If someone is here and they're mask-free, I'm not going to go and say, have you been immunized? Okay? I'm not going to do a Pelosi. I'm going to trust you. Okay? I'm going to trust that if you are not wearing a mask, you've been immunized, And I'm going to trust that if you have not been, you will wear one. Fair enough? Okay. So we're going to practice to a slight degree our own version of don't ask, don't tell. But also recognize that we do have the freedom of privacy. And we also recognize as as the science has continued to speak and as the science has continued to communicate in this area that if you have been immunized, you should have a reasonably confident point of, you can have a reasonably confident place that one, you're not going to catch COVID from someone else, and you can be fairly confident that you're not going to transmit COVID to someone else if you have been immunized. So I'm encouraged with that, and I'm encouraged with where we are. And for me personally, I'm looking forward next week 
if what he says tomorrow is accurate and consistent with what I'm saying, to drop the mask. So let's shift gears. Can we do that? You have questions, you can find me. I'll either be here or down there or back there. Feel free to grab me and I'll be able to talk to you more about that and where we are and what we're looking to do. All right? Let's have a word of prayer and we'll jump into it. Father, I say thank you very much for your richness and your goodness to us and for watching over us, for taking care of us. Father, for pouring out your amazing kindness on us. Father, I just think of Jesus' words as we have been looking at them and reading them and then thinking about them and talking about them. And Father, even as we continue today, just simple challenges and yet profound all at the same time. None of it's like crazy rocket science, Lord. And yet, when we listen to it, when we apply it, when we implement the things he says, it can be life-changing. And Father, we also know that to put our faith and trust in Jesus and to embrace him as our Savior, that is truly not just life-changing, but it's eternity-changing. And Father, we can go from a place of being at odds with you and alienated from you to being restored with you, to have a relationship with you, and one that doesn't just last for the tenure of our lifetime, but Father, lasts for eternity. Because to be absent from this body is to be present with you. Father, it is amazing what you do and how you watch over us and how you care for us, how you provide for us. Father, we're resting in you, in you as we go along our days. And Father, we are just asking that over these next few moments as we look at your word that you would build into us, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you look at your notes, I'm thinking maybe we're going to get down to verse 14 of chapter 7 here in Matthew, and we may not. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how our time unfolds. But I want to start in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 6. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 6. And this is still the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus is speaking. And he's been walking through a number of themes. He's been touching on a number of parts. And now he shifts gears again a little bit. And so Matthew 7, verses 1 to 6. He says, do not judge, so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. And you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrites. First, take the beam beam of wood out of your eye. And then you will be able to see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet, turn and and tear they'll turn and tear you to pieces. Let's walk through this again. I didn't read that last part well, but thankfully you all know how to read. And you can, you can put the, the words with the better diction in your own noggin. So let's kind of go back to verse, to verse 1 here. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. Isn't that easy? No, it's not. 
Some appreciate sarcasm. It's not. It's not easy to judge. Now, I have fun telling you about driving stuff. So you have a person driving down the road, and they're driving really slow, and you're in a hurry to get someplace. You have all sorts of judgmental thoughts about the person in front of you. Or you have a person cut you off because they are more privileged in life than you are, and they are much more important than you are because they feel that they need to get someplace much more quickly than you do, so it's okay to cut you off and do stupid things to you because they are more valuable, more precious, and more important than you are. And again, you you can hear all of the judgmental tones, and it just drips with the judgmentalness that we use as we react to that person. All sorts of judgment can flow through us. You know, what's interesting is that we sometimes kind of come back to things and say, no, I think I'm doing pretty good. Until we take some time to really think about it and back up. Now, for me, in my personal journey, a little over a year and a half ago, I was in a training session, and this was part of the conversation. And they started to talk about being judgmental. And they said, what we want to encourage you to do is to not be judgmental. And it's tough. You ever find yourself in a conversation? And you're just talking to someone and they are explaining to you something that's going on? If we're, if we're really being honest, we're kind of listening to ourselves and kind of being a little bit self-aware of what's going on in the side of us? There are different times in that conversation we'll be judgmental. Boy, what you said was stupid. That was a dumb thing for you to say. You should never have reacted that way. Oh, what that person said was obnoxious. What that person said was rude. And we are kind of going through these conversations. We're going through these things, and we're passing judgment on different parts in different ways on different things. And learning to back up. And say, okay, how am I going to react here? How am I going to interact here? Because the problem is, once we start being judgmental, that starts to impact and dictate how we're going to interact. So the guy cuts you off. He wants that parking spot, and he is more entitled to that parking spot than you are, even though he saw the backup lights, knowing you are going to back right in. He just got right in there. And then he rushes up to get on the list to be seated at the restaurant right before you get there. Now, let's just kind of carry that a little bit further. The host or hostess takes that individual, seats them. And then you come in and they seat you the appropriate six feet distance away from that person. What are you thinking about all dinner long? And how about when that conversation, that time, the person kind of looks at you and says, Hello, oh, I had that the other day. It was really good. And you're sitting yourself. It's totally shaped your interaction, hasn't it? Because you've chosen to be judgmental. Now, what does Jesus say? It's just really simple. Do not judge. 
so that you won't be judged. Do you like being judged? Do you like getting a stink eye from people because they think you're worth it? Don't judge. Because if you're busy judging, you're also going to get judged. In fact, he goes on and he says in verse 2, For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. And you will be measured by the same measure you use. So when you're busy being judgmental, take out your yardstick and look at it. Make copies. Have lots of duplicates and hand them out. Because you're going to be measured and judged the same way. Now, let's back up. You won't be able to see this. But I got a text message from my sister yesterday, my brother and sister, in fact. Um, My niece got married to a guy from Italy. They spent most of the opening COVID issues in Italy together. Um, And then Luca got a job here in the States. Bianca got a job here in the States over in Pittsburgh. And they're now living in Pittsburgh, close to where Joan and I used to live and close to the first church that I pastored in as the senior pastor. It was an interesting experience pastoring in that church. And it's one of those things where you, you look at things and you, you process through things, and I learned a lot, but one of the real challenges that I experienced while ministering there is that they struggled with certain things, and, and one of the things that was important to them was really taking care of the people that were inside the walls, and the people inside the walls were way more important than the people outside the walls. See, they were very fixated on maintaining the status quo for themselves, and as far as they mostly could cons- care, the people outside their walls truly, really could go to hell. We were the only church in our community in that section of the city preaching the gospel and communicating the hope of Christ to our community. And everything we sought to do to build bridges, to make connections, and to share the gospel with our community, there was a good section of folk in the church community, who, in, in the church itself, who resisted, bucked, dragged their feet, and resisted the process of trying to reach our community for Christ. We were there for about five years, and God moved this on, and we kind of came to some points in the process where it was clear that where I was leading and where the leaders were leading was not where the church family as a whole wanted to go. And I had thought, based upon where they were going, they would probably close their doors at a certain period of time, but they're still there. But they're also still ineffective and not really reaching their community. But I saw a sign. They sent me a sign. My my siblings found the church. And they sent me a picture of the sign that's on the front of the church. In small print, 
was you must be born again. That's on the top of the sign. On the bottom sign, in smaller print, repent and believe the gospel. In very big print. So you know how you look at a, like a business card and you see the little print that's like your name? And you have the little print that's the phone number or the email address. But you have the big print that takes up the bulk of the business card that tells you what the business is. Well, that's kind of what this sin is. And it says, be sure, be sure your sin will find you out. Right there in big, bold letters and bold in italics. Or not italics, but bold is sin will find you out. Question. What kind of message is that communicating to the community of trying to reach? Yeah, I got a thumbs down. Come on in here, spend some time with us because we are thoroughly going to beat you up about how you live. Spend some time with us because we're going to tell you what we really think about how you're doing because you need to change. We kind of think you need to be born again and we kind of think there's the important thing about the gospel but what we really want you to understand is that your sin is going to get you. It's going to get discovered. Now, what strikes me is that I don't hear Jesus interacting that way here. Do you know what I mean? I don't see Jesus going, I'm going to find out and tell everybody. I don't see that going on. Now, is it true? Since stuff gets exposed. Is it true? Yep. It's a caution. And we should be aware of that. And it's appropriate to look in the mirror and have those honest conversations with ourselves about issues. But the challenge Jesus is laying out is don't be judgmental. The church in general has been struggling with effectiveness for a long time. Even as you will see various large churches growing, many of those large churches see transfer growth, not conversion growth. I.e. people coming to know Jesus as their Savior and becoming a part of that church family. Some of those large churches have a lot of conversion growth, but a lot of those churches also see transfer growth. Sheep going from one flock to another flock. But not new sheep being born. The gospel impact in the United States has not increased at all in the last 50 years. And as the population has grown, the actual percentage of Christians in our culture has gotten smaller. And there has not been, to the best of my knowledge, and the things I've looked at in the last few years, the numerical impact and growth of the church has not grown in any county in the United States over its previous numbers. So there's still many people that are followers of Christ, but the actual impact of the gospel in the community has not spread, but continued to reduce. 
And I ask the question sometimes, why? And I go back to some of the things of ways that I remember the Christian community interacting with, some of the ways the Christian community interacted with our culture. And I've come back to this multiple times, and I'm going to land on it again. Y'all remember the moral majority. Some of you will. What was the whole idea of the moral majority? To confront people on their sinful patterns of life and to tell them they need to change. Now, do those patterns need to change? They do. Is it our place to get in their face and tell them they need to change? I don't think so. It's a result of the gospel. Really, the real impact that we should be focusing in on is sharing the gospel with people and helping them, helping individuals to know and trust Jesus. And as the gospel comes into a person's life, and as a person gets transformed by Jesus, what's going to happen to those patterns of life that are negative? They're going to start to disappear. And those patterns are going to start to disappear because Jesus is working in them and Jesus is transforming them. And as Jesus is working in them and as he is transforming them, what's taking place in their heart is they are starting to say to themselves, I want to honor God and I want to honor Jesus and I want to live more and more in accordance with God's values than when my own values or other values. And transformation starts to take place. But often what's taken place is Christians have picked on people's behavior and have said that needs to stop, but they haven't really cared about the people who practice those behaviors. So be careful how you you judge, because what happens, you are therefore then judged in the same way that you have judged others. Are we surprised at some of the backlash that exists in our culture today towards the Christian community? Are we surprised at how people react to Christians? Because we have so missed the mark in communicating Christ. We have communicated, behaved differently instead of trust Jesus. Part of our conversation in life groups, I'm going to ask you to go back and look and think about how Jesus interacted with people who were far from God. Look and listen to how Jesus interacted with people who were involved in sinful patterns of life. How did he interact with them? And so we look at this language, don't judge so that you won't be judged, but then at the same time, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. And part of what took place in the 70s and the 80s is we would listen to various individuals, and you know what the 70s and 80s were great for? Some of these big-time TV evangelists crashing and burning like crazy. And the world watched. And the world listened. And they watched these Christians who would hammer on them about how they behave, and yet they realized that some of these guys were themselves not behaving well at all. We really 
need to think about what Jesus is saying. How do we interact with people? How do you interact with your neighbors? How do you interact with your family? How do you interact with your friends? How do you interact with your coworkers who are living differently than you and doing things differently than you and maybe even doing things that you would disagree with, that you might even think are wrong? What is your role in that process? Is your role to modify their behavior or is your role to help them to know Jesus? Many have felt their role is to modify behavior. And we become judgmental. And we really don't see people. He goes on, verse 3. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye? But don't take notice of the beam of wood in your own eye. Allah, the lumber. I don't care which one of these I, I would have sticking out of my eye. You're not wanting me to look at you with this one or either of the other ones. Because I'm coming at you, you're ducking and weaving. Now, we've... we've we used this illustration once before, and it's kind of funny, and it's, and it's entertaining, but the purpose of the illustration is to demonstrate a really true life point, and a really true biblical point. Are we taking self-inventory ourselves before we start having conversations with others? And again, I think a huge part of the conversation that we have with people is earning the credibility and earning the freedom and earning the privilege to share the hope of Christ with somebody. But if we are living in such a way, if we're living in such a manner that we are compromising and violating that opportunity, we're going to lose the opportunity to talk to a person about Christ. And part of what's going to happen in that whole thing is that person then stays stuck in the pattern of behavior in their life that alienates them from God. And we lose the opportunity to talk to them about the things of Christ. And the things of Christ really matter about their relationship with God much more than the patterns of behavior that they're living with. The patterns of behavior get modified and changed as Jesus works in their life. But we need to get to that point where we don't talk about surface stuff, but where we talk about those deeper things of life. Those deeper things of those motives and those attitudes, those biases that shape how they think about God, that shape what they think about Jesus' people, and that shape how they want to interact with people, and shape how they want to hear the message of Jesus Christ. We need to get past those surface things so we can talk about the deeper things of life that are going to lead to the transformation of their soul. But sometimes we get stuck in a place of being judgmental on surface and external things. We need to remember who Jesus is speaking to. He is speaking to his disciples. And this is right on the heels of picking the 12 disciples who he's going to be investing in. And he's now, he's chosen them, he's selected them, he's now sitting down with them and other followers that are there and he's starting to talk to them about issues of life and he says, guys, don't be judgmental. 
Why? Because I'm sending you to be fishers of men. And I'm going to be sending you to fish in places where others like you don't hang out. So when we go to a place where we are the only Christian, or one of the few Christians in that particular part of the sea of life, when we go into that particular little section of the sea of life, and we're the only Christian, or one of the few Christians that are there, and we start complaining about how all those fish in that part of the sea live... How willing is the fish in that part of the sea going to be to listen to the message we have to say? Not very willing. But if we go into that part of the ocean, we seek to live out the truth and the hope of Christ. We seek to live out the reality of Jesus Christ. And we choose instead to love the fish that are in that part of the sea. And we don't go spear fishing. Or we don't go, but instead we kind of maybe go gentle netting. But we don't come in there being judgmental, but we come in there caring. It changes the environment. It changes how we can communicate the hope of Christ. But no one is going to be willing to listen to us when we are being judgmental and we're walking around with wood in our eye telling people about what they're doing wrong. Now, it's not me saying this. This is Jesus saying this. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. You will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't take note of the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrites. First, take the beam of wood out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Guys, we need to be working on our own inventory, don't we? And again, we go back to the things that Jesus has been preaching on. He's been talking about that internal transformation, that heart transformation, that internal stuff that he wants to see take place inside of us. We need to be willing to let Jesus do that inner internal work in us, that work that transforms us, that work that moves us from where we used to be and starts to move us to where God desires that we be. See, that's how we earn credibility. That's how we earn respect. And that's how we earn the listening. And so therefore then, as we start to speak into things, we start to say things, we have people around us are watching and listening and they see and there's a willingness to listen to the component of credibility because it's been earned. Here's a person who's not seeking to be judgmental but they are willing to live honestly and transparently about themselves. They are willing to look into the mirror and see themselves. And so therefore then as they speak to me I know that they're not coming at me being judgmental but they're also coming at me out out of a place of concern. Therefore, I'm more willing to listen to what they have to say, and I'm not going to be critical and judgmental of them because as they will start to touch things in my life, I know they're doing that for my good and because they care about me, they want to help me. They're not trying to control me or correct me because they disagree. Jesus is talking, and it shapes how we do life. It shapes how we interact with people. And I have to tell you, in many contexts, Christians haven't done it well because we've gone into so many settings being judgmental instead of caring and loving. Now Jesus throws this curveball at us at the end. He kind of 
kind of thing. He says in verse 6, Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs. Hopefully I'll read it correctly now. Or they will trample them under their feet, turn, and tear you to pieces. Now, there does come a time, it would appear, where we shift gears. And we move on. It does appear that way. It does appear that at times, as we seek to share the hope of Christ, as we share to communicate the message of Jesus, there are individuals or there are groups that are going to continue to disregard, not listen. And I get the sense as Jesus is talking here, he's saying, guys, there are times when it's appropriate to move on. There are individuals who are not interested in the gospel. There are individuals who treat it with contempt, who treat it with disrespect. And they're not going to hear it. They will mock you, they'll ridicule you, they'll make fun of you, but they're really not going to hear the gospel. Then it's okay to move on. It doesn't mean you're unloving. It doesn't mean that you're this ugly, horrible human being. But there's a recognition that after a period of time, these individuals really are not ready or they're really not willing to hear the message. It's okay to move on. But it doesn't mean you move on being judgmental. But it is okay to move on. Let's deal with the next section, and we'll call it quits for the morning. Look at verses 7 to 12. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Again, I'm having difficulty reading again. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Door I'm reading that sideways. I'm not quite sure. I know what I'm doing. I'm, you guys don't see this. I have to apologize. I'll try to turn it this way. So I'm reading from a harmony of the Gospels, and I have two different passages, and I'm reading here. I'm thinking I'm reading two columns when it's just one column. So I apologize. So you're correcting my, your judgment that I'm not quite competent at reading. Okay. He's not, he's, he's not fully with it in certain ways. That's probably accurate. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and a door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If then, if then who are... If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also for them. Do the same for them. For, in, for this is the law and the prophets. Now let's kind of walk through this real quick. First of all, he says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened open to you. So what he's saying here is, I have been praying, and as I have been praying, God, I want a Lamborghini. And God, I would like a low-taxed, high-income house right on the ocean. So ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Is that kind of the context of what he's saying? We just, just rip it right out of the context and, and say that. Isn't that what people do at times? They will take a passage, it says something, and they kind of rip it right out of that context. 
Now, even as I say that, there's probably a little bit of judgment being passed because why? We want to be selfish at times in the things that we do, don't we, at different times? And so we sometimes take things out of context to justify what we want to do. But that's not what's going on here. I think you need to look at the context. Watch what's taking place in the flow of things. Jesus has been speaking about the context of doing inner work. He's been talking about the things that he wants to do that brings transformation to our lives. He then talks about the fact that we should not be judgmental. We should not be critical. Rather, we should be looking for those opportunities to bring hope and the message of Christ to people. And we should really function in a self-aware way so that we are not being the kind of person that we are poking the finger at. Rather, we're being the kind of person that Jesus wants us to be as we interact. Swig of water. Now, in that context, we come to this and ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. What do we think we're talking about? Jesus, I have been such a jerk and an idiot in this area. Jesus, would you please help me to change? Jesus, I have been interacting with these people and I want to see them come to know you and I am wrestling with the components in my life where I'm being judgmental of how they live. I'm being judgmental of their attitudes. I'm being judgmental of their motives. Jesus, would you work in me to change my heart, to change my attitude, to change how I see them so I can see them the way that you see them? I think the context that we're talking about is we're talking in the flow of what Jesus has been saying. We're talking in the flow of the things that Jesus has been preaching. I don't think we're talking about the Lamborghini in a low-rent place on the beach or low-tax place on the beach. I think we're talking about in the context of the things we're wrestling through, those inner working things, those life transformation things, those relational things that are going on. I think when we are, what Jesus is driving at, guys, listen... I'm challenging you with stuff that's not easy. I'm challenging you with areas of transformation that takes a fair amount of inner work for this stuff to take place. I'm challenging you with things that are we cannot inherently do ourselves. I'm challenging you to care about people at times you'd rather punch in the nose instead of love them. So as you're wrestling through that stuff... Talk to me. Ask me for help. And I'm going to help you. Ask me to give you the the courage to be verbal on on the gospel. And I'm going to help you. Ask me to help you to be patient and gracious when you want to explode and react. Ask. And it will be given. Seek. And you will find, I'm going to help you in this journey. I'm going to help you to be the person I am challenging you and calling you to be. Ask, and I'm going to help. And what's amazing is God doesn't call us to do something and then toss us out to swim and live without help. Yes. In fact, one of the great promises that we have is when Jesus said he's going to give us the Holy Spirit. You need to remember something. As Jesus lived his life, he set his godness aside, in a sense. He didn't tap into his personal power. What Jesus did 
is he relied and rested on the work of the Holy Spirit. He leaned on the Holy Spirit to empower him. And if you remember, when he was doing some of those miracles, and people said, that's not, that's not the miracle of God, that's the miracle of Satan. And Jesus said, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit, because Jesus was not doing those miracles through his power. He was doing those miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what you need to understand is that as Jesus has given us the Comforter, as Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit who comes in and takes up residence inside of us as we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we have the same power in us through the working of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had in him as he was performing miracles and doing all sorts of crazy wonderful things and as he was living life and as he was preaching here in the Sermon on the Mount the same Holy Spirit that was empowering Jesus is at your and my disposal to have the Holy Spirit working in us and through us and so as Jesus is saying ask and it will be given the power source to live life is there for you to tap into if you are willing to tap into it. Jesus is offering us, God is offering us, the same resources to live life that Jesus had to live life. You can do this. You can do this. Ask. So when you look in the mirror and you see you're being stupid, say, Jesus, I'm being stupid. And right now I want to be stupid. I don't want to change. Would you please help me to not be like this? And Jesus goes, sure. I have the Holy Spirit who's going to work in you and he'll help you to transform. And he goes on, for everyone who asks, receives. If you're really asking for Jesus to work in your life, if you're really asking for God to help transform your life, he is going to help you do it. He's not going to cut you loose and say, no, figure it out on your own. Don't you love it when people do that to you, by the way? You start a new job. You have a training supervisor. The training supervisor comes by and says, you need to do this, this, and this. I'll be over there if you need me. And you go and you say, I have no clue. I've never done this before. I don't even know what this stuff looks like. I can't tell you the names of the things, and I don't know how it all works. And you go, yo, can you help me for a minute? He says, I'm busy right now. You just have to figure it out. Well, God doesn't do that to us. God doesn't say, you just got to figure it out. He does not do that to us. He gives us the Holy Spirit, and he promises to provide for us. He promises to help us. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus is saying, how many times do I want to say this? To use a similar different, use different metaphors to say the same thing. You ask, I'm going to be there. You knock, I'm going to open the door. You looking for help, I'm going to give you help. Who among you, if his son asks for bread, gives him a stone? We don't do that. Even when our kids are driving us nuts. Still help.
Or if your son asks for a fish, or your daughter, you give him or her a snake. We just don't do that stuff. Even when we have loved ones that frustrate us and annoy us at different times, we still amazingly know how to show up and help even when we're frustrated. We don't kick them to the curb. And God doesn't do it to us either. He doesn't do it to us either. Let's finish. If then, we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? God, I need patience. No, I'm not giving you any. God, if you help me to work at being more gracious. No, obnoxious and rude is fine for you. God, would you please help me to be who you desire me to be? No, I want you far from me. See, that's the, you, you get what I'm saying? God is going to help us. So if people who are evil know to help their kids and help others, how does our Heavenly Father work? Man, does he know how to love us and care for us? And he's going to do it. Therefore, whatever you want others to do, therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do the same for them. And again, we're coming back to that character stuff, aren't we? For this is the law of the prophets. My folks didn't say to us, we want you to take care of us when we're old. They never said that to my brothers or I, or my sisters. They never said it. But it was burned into my soul the responsibility to care for my folks. Partially through the lesson that I watched as I watched my parents care for their parents. I understood my responsibility as their son to care for them because they understood their responsibility as a son and daughter to care for their parents. It's amazing how what we desire seems to get reciprocated as we then choose to honor others with the same kinds of things and the same kind of behaviors and the same kind of attitudes that we desire to receive. When we start to practice the behavior that we desire to receive, it's amazing how it gets reciprocated. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. You want to be treated with kindness? Be kind. You want to be treated with respect? Be respectful. Now, are there exceptions to the rule? Yes. But the rule still stands. And he comes back again to the inner working stuff that God wants to see accomplished in us. 
We're talking about life transformation, inner transformation work that Jesus desires to happen in us. See, the real question we need to ask is, am I willing to let Jesus do that inner work in me? Am I willing to have that transformation take place in me? Am I willing to be open to that process? Or do I just want to be a belligerent, unhappy, grumpy person who's going to complain a lot because things aren't going the way I want and I'm going to be judgmental and critical of people around me because they're not listening or not caring. And I'm going to tell them they're going to hell, they need Jesus, and they better straighten up or else. And I don't understand why no one listens to me when I tell them about Jesus. But they better suck it up and get ready because other than there's a world of hurt coming for them otherwise, but I'm good. Just a little transformation work that Jesus wants to do in us, don't you think? Just a little transformation work. Don't be judgmental. And when you need help, walk in a journey, ask. Because I love you and I know how to provide what you need. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your amazing, amazing richness and goodness to us. Father, I would ask that you would continue to work in us. Father, because the truth is, is as we, as we, Father, progressively and intentionally look and examine, you turn the lights on and you show us more stuff that needs to be shifted and adjusted and changed. But, Father, I have to confess that overwhelmingly, usually, that's not a burden because, Father, we want to walk with you. We want to know you. We want to be the person you desire us to be. And so that's a joy that the light gets turned on, and it's a sorrow when the light is dimmed. Father, work in us and helping us to be the men and women you desire us to be so that we can walk with you in a way that just thrills you and just makes you light up and say, I'm their dad, and look at my son, look at my daughter, look how they're living. But then, Lord, as we walk this journey, Father, also seeking that opportunity to share the hope of Christ and to reflect the hope of Jesus to our world. Father, we want to do it in a way so that our world listens and hears. And, Father, we know that everyone will not listen. We know that everyone will not hear. But, Father, our desire is that we would remove as many of the personal inner boundaries and blocks to people hearing so that when they say no to Jesus, they're saying no to Jesus because they're choosing to reject Jesus. And they're not saying no because somehow we've been an idiot or a block or an obstruct. Father, be at work in us, I ask. In Jesus' precious name, amen. How are your eyes this morning? How are your eyes? What's the Holy Spirit saying in your heart regarding your eyes? See, I I wear glasses and I can take these off and I can still make most of you out, tell who most of you are. But everything's a little fuzzy. 
And when I put them on, everything gets nice and clear. And I wonder how many of us often just refuse to let the Holy Spirit work in our eyes. And we prefer to keep them off. And we prefer things a little fuzzy. So when I look in the mirror, I look better than I really do. And when I look out at the world, the world looks worse than, than I want to. How are your eyes this morning? I want to challenge you as we reflect on Pastor Andrew's message. Ask God to give you clarity, to help you see yourself and the junk in your life that needs to get cleaned up first, to see that well. And then that, that he might give you clarity and eyes to see the world as they really are. People who are lost, people who are hungry, people who are, who are in need of hope and meaning and purpose. And that we might love them well and share the gospel with them. In a moment, we're going to take our offering. And, and as the plates pass your row, I encourage you to, to stand and sing with us one more time. Uh, but let me pray. Let me pray for our, for our sight for the Holy Spirit's work in, in giving us clarity. Father God, so often we, we don't ask, we don't seek, and we don't knock because we really don't want to hear what you have to say to us. We're more content to, to look in a mirror and, and see ourselves better than we really are to not see the flaws, to not see the, the, the junk and the garbage that's still in our lives, the, the judgmental attitudes, um, the other sins that, that we've allowed to creep in unchecked. The Holy Spirit, you desire to be transforming us from the inside out. And, and so we ask this morning that you would give us clarity of vision, that you would give us eyes to see the stuff that you see that needs to be transformed and changed in our hearts. And then, Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to see the world as it is. Give us clarity of vision to see people around us who, who are who are desperate, without hope, without meaning, without purpose of life, who are lost and wandering, and give us eyes to see them, not to judge them, but to see the pain that they're in, the hopelessness and, and meaninglessness which, in which they, they are surrounded, and give us boldness as we see that. Boldness to love, Boldness to, to share the gospel with them. Boldness to come alongside and put an arm around them and walk with them. To disciple them. Until they get to know your son Jesus as Lord and Savior. 
and you begin the transformative work in their lives as well. Father, give us those eyes. Father, now we ask that as we, as we give, that you would help us to give with those things in mind. Because we want to see what's given being used to, to, to give us opportunity to, to reach those around us who need to know Jesus. Father, take what is given this morning. Bless it and multiply it for your purpose and for your glory. I pray in Jesus' name.